Thanks, Graham. Let's just pray. God, we just thank you that you are a God of love. And we just take a moment to reflect what that actually means. And we choose to open our, our hearts and our minds and open our arms and receive love. Receive your love. We pray that, Holy Spirit, you would take the words of Jesus today and do what only you can do in bringing them alive. I will share words, but you, Holy Spirit, will bring transformation in lives. And I pray that you do that, that we are able to, to take and make this name our own. In Jesus' name. We sang at the beginning, um, I'm a child of God. And I think every time I was just reflecting between the first service and the second service, every time I've spoken here, I've always picked a song and then reflect. I generally do this wherever I preach, every time I preach, because it's your anthem that actually tells me about who you are. It's what you sing and what you declare. When I sing, I'm prophesying a future place. Or when I sing, I'm crying out in desperation. So when we sing, and as Graham said, probably strap yourself in. Um, uh, offense is inevitable this morning. Um, when we sing, we're saying, I am a child of God. Do you and I actually believe that? Do I believe I am? Because if I am, it, and I believe it, it has ramifications for the way we live. Um, when we were, we had kids, we were two kids, and, and as they were growing up, they're both adults now and married. And uh, when they were growing up, um, my son used to bring um, friends home like stray dogs and cats. <laughs> Thankfully, he never brought animals home. He brought people home. And um, when a mate was in trouble, he'd bring them home, and, and he'd say, hey, um, sorry, I just realized there's a camera and I need to stand still in the middle a little. <laughs> sorry, Carolyn. <laughs> um, and he would bring, he'd bring mates around who had been kicked out of home or, or, or stuff. I, I remember there was one person that actually came home for, um, for, for a long weekend uh, and 18 months, Jason giving up his room for them. But I would always sit these young people down and I'd say to them, hey, look, this home is a safe place, but this is our home. And here, as Van Verens, this is what we do. This is the way we do life. We do life in the open. We fight with each other and we love each other. We don't play each other. We don't lie to each other. And, and there are some things that is just no-go. Uh, back then, Bart Simpson was totally off. If we never watched Bart Simpson in the house. We don't. Anyway, that's my opinion. And um, it's an adult show, not a child show. Um, I'll just throw that one in there. Uh, <laughs> and so Bart Simpson wasn't showing my... I don't care who you are. Uh, we had adults move into our house later on, and they liked Bart Simpson. Chris, for example, came and stayed with us for a while and loved Bart Simpson, and I said, you, you will not play that in this house. These are the rules of home, and you might find some of them silly, and you might find some of them quirky, but that's us. And if you want to stay here, and you want to be welcome here, and you want to call yourself, and we've got heaps of sons and daughters of the house, then this is who we are, and this is how we live. 
are. So when we think about it as a child of God and singing it as it, well, then we're actually saying, hey, God, we get it. We're living in your kingdom. We're living in your house. And, and I, I don't know, sometimes I think as believers, some of us are going to suffer, fr- suffer from whiplash when Jesus comes back. Because we, we want to live this lifestyle and then live this way in this kingdom. And suddenly when Jesus comes back and we're, we're living in the kingdom of God, then in the future in what we call heaven, then suddenly we're going to have to live this way. And you're going to get whiplash because of the speed with which you're going to have to move from that lifestyle to this. But when I say I'm a child of God, I'm saying, hey, God, I subscribe to your way of doing life. I want to live your way. You're the Abba Father, the dad of the house. And it's your, I hate using the word rules and boundaries because then we kind of get the antsy within us and we kind of push against it. But it's your way. It's your way, God. And and I, I want the benefits and the blessing of being in your house and being a part of your family. But we've got to live like we want to be there. And like we can respect that. I, I love what Graham said. That's what being church is. Um, a wedding, a funeral, and a school. Three things all in one week. Where the church is actually reaching out and stepping out. I, I mean, as Graham said, uh, uh, the, funer- the, the funeral, the wedding was at 2 o'clock. At 1.30, we're literally sitting at a park up at Eaton's Crossing. And the and and the gully was suddenly that were, were ordered were being drenched that the driver didn't want to get out of the van and we're looking at the skies and praying, God, you can do this, but you can look over there and say, well, you're not going to, <laughs> because we can see reality and we need the water, and to be able to uh, pick up a phone. And have two people on a phone simultaneously, you know, talking to Josh and the church and, and actually saying, hey, look, there's a wedding. It needs to happen in 30 minutes. There's, there's, there's cars and cabs and photographers all on their way to this place. It's a half hour away. And we've got to turn everybody around. And Josh going, hey, doesn't matter whoever he is at the church. We can either change that room. We can change this room. We can do what you want. Charlie isn't, wasn't even meant to be here on the day. And, and, and she was. And she said, well, let's just use the cafe. And if you understand Chris's affinity with coffee you'll understand that was his wish made, made came true and so he got what he probably prayed for uh Carla's mom's not yes so I can say that <laughs> um and it's just like the church just opened every single door and to made it possible and it was a testimony to the people that were here that were not who are not see themselves as part of the church and who don't understand what it means to belong in the kingdom just God who don't belong to God's family just see a thing. church and a business everything to accommodate a special moment for a couple that's what being God is that's what the kingdom of God looks like when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God the funeral from feedback from the funeral from the school I mean this is just crazy things and I'm really proud to be a part of this church, really proud to say, hey, this is where I belong, because this place is reaching out. And when I was preparing this message and, and, and the challenge that will come, I almost wanted to kind of dial it back going, but I know these guys. I know what they do. It's one of the reasons I'm here. And I felt God said, no, 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 don't stop. Keep going, keep going, keep going, because for all of us, there's place to grow. 
And so, yes, we can this morning pat ourselves on the back and say, job well done, church. Job well done being community and caring for community. But there's more to do. There's more to do. So when we think about this kingdom of God, when we think about this, you know, Jesus... um, Message always comes out different in the second service. Um, so you need to hear something different to the guys before you. Jesus didn't walk around saying, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. This is me, this is what I'm about. He actually said, this is what I'm about. The king, he actually multiple Bible that this is why I'm here. I'm here to preach the good news. I'm here to preach the gospel of the kingdom. I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities. And he says in Luke 4, 42 to 43, because for this purpose I have been sent. Jesus came to show us what the kingdom of God could look like here on the face of this earth earth he came to embody it so that we would have an example of what that could look like with skin on and the the challenge for you and I is to be that to be the kingdom of God but if we understand the theme the king of love if we understand that this is about God's upside down kingdom in Jesus's own words we're going to look at what did Jesus say about the kingdom of God what is he trying to show us to demonstrate to make plain for us and whatever it is that Jesus is saying then that's what we need to hear. Whatever it is that Jesus is doing, then that's what we should do. I know often in a Bible, you look at the red letters in the, in the Gospels, you say, well, this is what Jesus said, this is what Jesus said, and we need to listen to him. But we, so, we lose so much when we see what Jesus did. You've got to look at his words, and you've got to look at his actions. And sometimes if we could take Jesus' words away, and we were left with his actions, what gospel, what would we learn about the kingdom of God? And if I had to say to you and me, if we took all our words away as a church, and we could no longer say a thing, but we were measured by our actions alone, what would they say about us? Hmm. I don't warn you. So if that was what Jesus was doing then we need to be doing it. And what I really feel impressed upon me today is without using a single word, and you'll understand why by the end of this. So how do we do it? It's the way in which we conduct our ordinary, everyday living. It's the way you and I go about our business. So often, and and I I preached this in, in in a message I preached earlier this year as well, And I stand by this thought. So often we're waiting for pastor to say something or the church to do something or the leader or to hear this word from God. When God said already, go and just do it. Be kind. Be merciful. Do justice. Go make disciples. Go step in the middle of... uh, I I once... I want to watch time. I I once uh, read a story, and I think it was Michael Frost that was telling the story of of this group of people, and he wanted to bring these ecumenical ministers together to teach them something about being the kingdom of God, but being the upside-down kingdom of God. And he got a bunch of church, and he threw it in in the church trash. On a big PF you threw out four weeks ago in the bin, what you ate four weeks ago, threw it gave them gumboots and said now let's do communion standing in the middle because this is where Jesus is he's in the middle of the trash he's in the middle of the trash of the community he's in the middle of the trash of people it's lives and that's challenging am I able to go and step in uh, we'll just leave it there hey have you ever walked through a cup uh, yeah you get the, you get the picture hey the cow paddock we want to stay away from that stuff 
So how do I, how do you, how does our church proclaim the kingdom of God? This upside down kingdom. You might see me try and draw a triangle uh, in the sky and then this upside down thing. I just want you to get the picture I'm trying to draw. Because the kingdom of God, the way we see it, the way it was seen in the day that Jesus walked on the face of the earth, it was like this triangle. But Jesus comes along and he flips it upside down. And he says, I am the king of love and God, lo- God is love and God loves you. He flips it upside down. Now, if you've ever seen a triangle, it stands really easy on a flat side. But when you put it on the apex, it's hard to stay there. It's the easiest thing to go back to the way we were and rest. The challenge is to keep it upside down. That requires the balance on, uh, if you try and think of a seesaw, it's everybody at the bottom, which was the bottom at the top, keeping the balance right so that we can stay the upside down kingdom. Or God. One John 4 actually about the author writes about us continuing to love each other because love comes from God. Because God is love. And God showed us this love in the sacrifice of his son. Verse 11 and 12 actually says, If God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. And I'm challenged by that Bible verse because it literally says, Hey, my action, inaction, or as I've written on on, on the slide, inaction. Same words, just a matter of space between inaction changes the thing that we do. I am either in my actions or in my inaction. The doing or the absence of doing something will show my love, the love of God that has been extended towards me that is demonstrated towards others. The religious leaders of the day, as we're going to end in a parable, we're going to look at Jesus' words, try to at Jesus around this whole concept of the kingdom of God as the way they want to understand it as according to their narrative this is ethnicity and they try to trick Jesus and entrap him often to so they ask him one of them asked him Matthew chapter 22 verse legal 35 to 40 this lawyer now not a legal just like we know today a religious a religious for the legal sort of person one that went through the law and was able to tell whether a person was speaking the truth or not it says and jesus says love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind this is the greatest command and the second one is your neighbor as yourself this comes out of deuteronomy chapter 6 and out of leviticus chapter 19 if i could have the next slide please and, and about about loving god and about loving our neighbors and so the religious leaders knew something they knew something about Scripture. They knew what it said in Leviticus 19, verse um, 18. And they were trying to say to Jesus, hey, come on, tell us who we should love. We know we're meant to love, so, so now tell us, what should we do? They had this knowledge. And the challenge for you and I is, what is it that we know? Do we know the same thing? And when I say do we know the same thing, it is a trick question. Because if you say yes, then you've just aligned yourself with this legal dude and not Jesus. Because we do know the same thing. We say, well, the Bible says we should love our neighbor as ourselves. It says so in the Leviticus and Deuteronomy says, trying to trust your God. But what it is doing was trying to trip Jesus to try and get a definition because they were trying to catch Jesus 
out. So often, the church, as a church community, we tend to look after our own. We migrate to our own. This, 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 this kind of Pharisee or, or teacher or legal guy was trying to say, hey, we're here to help each other. What you're, try- you're trying to turn this thought upside down, and we don't want you to. Because when you turn this thing upside down and you get this thing to balance, then that's going to put pressure on us. That means we've got to change the way we do things. It means we've got to actually reach past ourselves, past our people group. Now, I don't know about you, but I, it's kind of like, you know, I, they, Graham looks like me. Well, <laughs> actually, no. I've got, he has, he's got hair. I don't. Lots of it, top. And anyway, um, and I say bottom, but that wouldn't be appropriate, would it? Uh, <laughs> Graham, and, Graham and he looks like me, smells like me. We, we kind of, you know, love, have similar things that we like. We love leadership. We love Jesus. We love local church. And really, so to, 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 but to be there for someone who's not like me, doesn't smell like me, doesn't talk like me, doesn't dress like me. I mean, I could really be confrontational and, and say, you know, the person wearing a, um, a burqa. Would I help them the same way I help Graham? Hmm. Uh, as someone who wears a rainbow tag around, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go there for a sec. Would I be prepared to help them? Are they my neighbor? In the first service, I, I spoke about what Pastor Clem, and it is Bev, hey? No? Leanne, Leanne. Bev's the lady who's doing the tables. Um, Pastor Clem and Leanne have done historically. Would you be able to walk into the group that they care for and be comfortable? Anyone can. <laughs> But I'm talking about us because it's not like they're not, sometimes people aren't like me. They don't fit my mold. They don't fit my idea. And so when you want to talk about the king of love coming and creating the upside down kingdom, turning what the Jews believed up on its head to say this is what it means to belong to the kingdom of God. It's going to require a shift in you and it's going to require us and are we know the same thing this lawyer knew. And are we prepared to be challenged like he was about to be challenged? The upside-down kingdom challenges the thoughts. In Jesus' own words, the king of love is teaching us what love is. God's love manifests on the earth. Kingdom love, what kingdom love should look like. If I could have the next slide, please. And so the words of Jesus I want to use this morning is the parable of the Good Samaritans. The Good Samaritan. May it be Samaritans after today but the good samaritan we all know the story a man uh, what, what you have is you actually have this lawyer this this legal expert in religious law coming back and saying to jesus hey what should i do to have eternal life and jesus says well the same thing uh love love, love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your strength with all your mind and your neighbor is yourself jesus says uh, you know and he says well uh, uh, and he goes, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. So Jesus says, hey, what should I, asked, what should I do, Jesus? Do, do this. And he goes, cool. That's all you have to do. That's all you and I have to do. Jesus says, well, you've, you've, you've spoken correctly, do this and you'll live. But then the lawyer does something interesting, and it's recorded in Luke chapter 10, verse 29. It says, the lawyer wanted to justify himself. And so he says, who's my neighbor? 
He actually asks Jesus to define. Remember, these guys know what's written in Leviticus. They know what's written in Deuteronomy. And he wants to. What he's trying to get Jesus to say is, hey, I think the love of God is for an exclusive group of people. And that's what he wants. Because he knows who Jesus is hanging out with. He knows the sort of conversations Jesus is having. He knows the places that Jesus is going. And so they were talking about it. And they're trying to trap him. They, what they're trying to do is take this upside-down kingdom of God that the king of love has come to establish on the face of the earth and flip it back. And so Jesus responds and he says, hey, let me tell you a story. And Jesus tells the parable of the good Samaritan. A man walking a dangerous road gets beaten up by a group of robbers. A priest walks by, walks the other side. A Levite walks by, walks the other side. A good a Samaritan comes by, offers him help, puts him on, a, on his horse or donkey, takes him to an inn and then provides care for him. And provide the Lord ongoing care. The priest, the Levite or the Samaritan, do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the ro robbers? And the lawyer just cannot bring himself to say the word Samaritan, so he says the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus says, well, you go and do likewise. The one who showed him mercy, the one who showed him love, the one who showed the king of love and working out in an upside-down kingdom of God. Go and do that. That's what you and I are asked to do. To be that person. The lawyer wanted to exclude most of humanity from the love of God. To me, if you want a definition of who your neighbor is, just everybody, oh, it's COVID, should we do this or not? Well, we sang, so it's okay. Uh, just go, ha, just do that for me. Oh, come on, a little bit more gusto. I want to know you're alive. All right. If you have been being... Everybody else who shares that same trait is a human being, and everybody else who's a human being is your neighbor. It's not hard to figure out. There are people here that we could just look at and we go, oh, well, you know, I won't pick on anybody. Somebody's sitting over there with their arm crossed looking at me, oh, they don't like what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not my neighbor. They're not my neighbor. It's so easy to form judgments and opinions and, and, and have this, this disposition towards excluding groups of people. Based on my experience or my knowledge. But here we find ourselves in an upside down kingdom of God going, it's not what you thought. It's not what you knew. Jesus is redefining the concept of neighbor. Will you and I allow him to do the same today for us? And I'm being serious here. This is challenging for me too. This cuts this way first before it cuts there. Am I prepared to help? Yeah, as a church, we're starting this thing with and so on. Fantastic idea. And I just, it's a fantastic idea. Absolutely great. But it's going to give us gray hairs. 
And for those of us that have hairs, it's probably going to cause them to fall out. Because we're working with humans who are not like us. Uh, for that fact, little uh, humans that are not like us. But I'm excited about the opportunity that we have as a church. And please, Graham hasn't paid me to say this. I wasn't even at the meeting last Monday night. I was in another meeting. But we have the opportunity to say that's the kingdom of God, the king of love turned upside down, and that's who we're going to be as a church. Yes, it doesn't fit the standard mold. Yes, it's not this ultra, you know, why don't we start a Christian church? And, 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 oh, just shut up. I'm just going too far there. But you get the questions, and I get what Graham is doing. I get what the board and the eldership are doing. I get what the leadership are doing. They're saying, hey, we want to turn this concept upside down because we get the king of love. And we get the upside down kingdom. And yes, it's never going to be comfortable, but we're doing it nevertheless. There's seven people or seven characters in the story. Order of appearance, the traveler robbed, the robbers, the priest, the Levite, the good Samaritan, the beast of burden, the innkeeper. What I find really interesting is one of the commentators writes that there are these seven different characters, but only one of them has a voice, the others don't. It is only the Samaritan who speaks. The rest don't say anything. You just see what they do. And the commentator says this really interesting thing that, that they don't, they're not given a voice because it's, they would use their words to justify their actions. They would actually use their voice to cover up their misconception around who their neighbor is. Everybody in the story, everybody in the parable is judged in their actions. It is the Samaritan that gets to say that. I, that challenged me even more because I'd never seen that. And I went, wow. I don't get to say why I did something or why I didn't. People only see what I do. They will only see what you do, what I do in this upside-down kingdom of God. They will only see what we as a church, what we as Cornerstone do by what we do. We've heard this. It's become a cliche, but it's absolutely a beautiful statement. If this church was removed from this community, would anybody here know it? Would anybody go, oh, where's Cornerstone? Uh, I'll, I'll really shared some of Charlie and what, what they did. If the Tillich coffee cafe shut down would the people that they provide not just coffee to but love and encouragement and support and hope know they're missing i don't know if they shut woolies down everyone would if they shut a petrol station down you'd know yeah i'll just shut up so, so it's not our words it's actually our actions. It's actually what we do. The traveler in the story is not identified by a people group. Jesus is being really intentional. He's just saying, hey, a person in distress, a person who was going about their everyday business finds themselves set up by a pack of robbers and finds themselves in distress. In your and I world, there are people in distress all the time in the church and outside the church. 
people who look like us and people who don't. People who think and believe like us and people who don't. So if you want to understand this upside-down kingdom of God, we've got to realize there are people out there in distress, and it doesn't matter who they are. The robbers, one would think they would be the villains in the story and that Jesus would have a field day saying and identifying them as villains, but they are not actually the villains. Yes, they do something wrong. Yes, they take from somebody, and yes, they violate that person, and yes, they actually leave him half dead. But they're not the villains in the story. You've got to think about that for a moment. If the guys that makes the point even more poignant about who the villain really is. The priest, well, his job, he, he was, his religion was his vocation. And the priest sees the person. He should be the one advocating the love of God. If anyone understood it, it should have been him. And, but he goes the other side because to a priest, if you touched somebody who was dead, uh, the Hebrew words to me, unclean. And, and so literally it would be, they would, if they are dead, you become unclean and there's a whole process you have to go through before you can come back. In other words, it says, hey, if you want to keep doing your job, and you touch this person, you can't. There's a whole process that's getting, you have to go through and money you have to pay before you can come back to worship. And so this, this, this priest, that was more important than the person. The Levite, actually, well, Levites actually do the dirty. They open the door, they make the music, and they do all the different things. Even the person who does the dirty work, he saw that. And made a distinguish between dirty work in church and dirty work outside the church. And he was happy to do the dirty work in the church, but not outside the church. You have the Good Samaritan. Uh, for a Jewish group listening to those two words put together, it's almost an oxymoron. Good and Samaritan. The Samaritans were despised by the Jews. They were seen as trash, as, as, as second-rate uh, there was no such thing as a good Samaritan. It, it's historical, centuries-old prejudice. And so having a Samaritan in the story be the one who shows what the king of love has introduced in this upside-down kingdom of God makes the story all the more powerful. Uh, um, one of the commentators actually was, we should never forget the horse so carried the that was there. Sometimes the donkey also carried. Yeah, I think sometimes if you just be the, the ass, we're doing a lot better than what we sometimes are as the priest or the Levite or the robbers. At least they're helping the one who wants to do the help get the person to the help. The other point that I think Jesus is making is saying, hey, even the donkey did a better job than the priest and the Levite. I don't have a, you. I don't want a donkey doing my job and saying to say to Jesus, why I let a donkey do my work? Or an ass. If I could have the band, please. So the question we need to ask ourselves in this thought about John writing, God is love. He's loved us that much. He showed it us through the sacrifice of his son. And so we all love one another. 
the Jews of the day wanted to define what that love looks like in the kingdom of God and who neighbor, the neighbor was. And the king of love says, I've come to turn the kingdom of God. And this thought to an upside down the kingdom of God. I'm redefining. So who are you in the story? Which one of the seven characters in your world, in our community today? The point of the parable is which one showed mercy? And I think it's undeniable. Even the lawyer had to say the one who showed mercy, the Samaritan. When we listen to it, we come to the same conclusion. The upside-down kingdom of God is right because of the king of love. Now, we have a choice whether we want to subscribe to the upside-down kingdom of God or whether we want to try and flip it upside, flip it back to the way it was because of what we knew. Please. If I could have the last slide, please. An upside-down kingdom of God where a king of love reigns requires an upside-down definition and action as to who my neighbor is and how we show them love. My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. In a Jewish society, the answer was remarkably different to what we are required to answer in an upside-down kingdom of God society today. I am challenged. Are you? Let's stand. Just while the music's praying, I want to give you the opportunity to just reflect about who you are in the story. Right now, Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we invite you, you who convicts. It's not the person next to me. It's not the devil. It's not anybody. It's, it's you, Holy Spirit, who brings conviction right now in this moment that you would show us who we are in the story. Are we the ones causing harm? Are we the ones walking by on the other side? Are we not like the Good Samaritan, but in some way trying to help like the innkeeper or the ass? Who are we? And we come to you, God, with our heads bowed and humbled, going that our intent and our desire is to be like the Samaritan, who understood by King of Love, and he, to the extent that he got what it was like to live in the upside-down kingdom of God, because he understood the King of Love's definition of who is my neighbor. I pray, God, that you would, in your slow to anger, abounding in love and gracious mercy towards us. Allow us to continue to grow 
and develop and become and operate and live out the fullness of who Jesus is in our lives, that that completed work of the cross would be evident individually in our families and corporately as a church, that we may bring honor to the King of love in an upside-down kingdom, the big face of this earth, not because of how we knew but because of what we now know. And to you, God, be all the glory. Amen.